is more powerful than anything else. It's more powerful than drugs. It's more powerful than entanglements and, and struggles that people go through. Remember the blood. Remember the blood. Remember the blood. In the name of Jesus Christ, remember the blood. Amen. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening from wherever you are watching us. We are glad that you have tuned in to Victory Hour today. Today we'll be concluding the series on the blood of Jesus. I could tell you more, but stay tuned. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, there's several things that I want us to understand today about the blood of Jesus Christ. As I've said earlier, about you know, a lot of young people and a lot of this generation does not really understand uh, the blood of Jesus Christ. So let us look at what is blood in itself. Before we even talk about Christ, you know, in my last session I, I talked about Jesus Christ, but this time uh, let me introduce what is blood, okay? What is blood? Now, very few people in this world love blood, just to hear the word blood. So when I talk about remember the blood, I know there are people who are like, ooh, blood, you know, you think of accidents, you think of wars, you think of, you know, you've been cut, and, and all this blood flowing, you think of hospitals. But that's not the kind of blood we are talking about. When I talk about remember the blood, I am talking about the blood of Jesus Christ. But to give it perspective, it is important to also understand the power of the blood, our own blood, and how powerful it is. Now it is said that a human being has five liters of blood in his body, flowing in his body. Only five liters. So the next time you hold a five-liter jerrican, that is your entire blood right there. And it is said that majority of the organs, actually almost all organs in our bodies exist for blood. All right? When you talk about the heart, it exists because the blood is flowing. When you talk about the kidneys, they exist because the blood is flowing. When you talk about the liver, the main issue or the main work of the liver is to cleanse the blood that is flowing in your body. When you talk about the brain, if you cut off blood from flowing to the brain, the brain is dead. Every organ in your body functions because of blood. That is why when someone is bleeding, they are losing blood, it is very easy for them to die. Okay? People don't die just because they are hurt. They die because they are losing blood or because they have a blood clot. In other words, the blood is not moving. So there are several things that I want us to understand. Number one is that life is in the blood. Life is in the blood. All right? The life of a thing is in its blood. The life of an animal is in the blood. The life of a human being is in the blood. Everything that you operate, anything that, has, that is, you know, has breath, has blood. And so life is in the blood. Number two, healing is only, can only be attained through the blood. In other words, you can get sick, but your healing will come through blood. If you get sick in your blood, then it is almost impossible for you to recover. That is why people are dying of cancer, because cancer is usually caused, usually attacks the blood, the blood vessels, okay? Protection, there is protection in the blood. There are nutrients in the blood. If you study, you know, if you talk to doctors and you understand all these, you know, terminologies, there are nutrients in the blood. But one of the things that I love about blood is that Blood equalizes us. As I said in the last session that the blood of Jesus Christ equalizes all of us. Whether you're a bishop, an apostle, an archbishop, you know, titles do not change the fact that you have been saved by the same blood of Jesus Christ that I have been saved with. Titles do not change the fact that the same salvation you have received through the blood of Jesus Christ is the same salvation that your watchman or your house help has received through the blood of Jesus Christ. 
That is the beauty of the blood of Jesus Christ. That is the beauty of blood, generally. And when I say that, this is what I mean. Whether you're black, red, green, brown, white, yellow, whatever color you are, your blood will always run red. Blood equalizes us. You see, one of the greatest neurosurgeons in the world, Ben Carson, in his book, Gifted Hands, says that the moment he opened the brain of a human being, he was surprised to find that there is no black brain or white brain. There is just brain. And that is a very powerful statement to say. And I want to say that the moment blood is put in sacks, for example, if you go to hospital and donate blood, there is no black blood or white blood or yellow blood. There is just blood. And therefore, as a world, we must begin to live in peace and in love. And we must begin to respect each other because our blood equalizes us. Let me talk to Kenyans today because of tribalism. And I want to say to Kenyans, remember the blood. We are Kenyans. And we must remember the blood of Jesus Christ. And we must also remember our own blood. There is no Kikuyu blood, no Luo blood, no Luya blood. There is no Kalenjin blood. There is only blood. If you go to the hospital, you do not tell them to give you a Kikuyu blood or a Kamba blood. You just get blood because blood is the great equalizer. This is not just about uh, our own physical blood. This is also about the blood of Jesus Christ. It equalizes all of us, equalizes all of us. Now, one of the other things that the blood of Jesus Christ does to us is that the blood of Jesus saves us from God's wrath. Oh, let me talk about that a little bit. Because there are many, many Christians today in the world of today who are facing the wrath of their bishops in the name of God's wrath. How sad it is to find a man or a woman, young man or young woman, crying and weeping because their bishop has not uh, uh, affirmed them or their bishop has declared curses upon them. And I want to say, the anger of your bishop is not the anger of God. Please understand and separate those two issues. Because your bishop is not God, your apostle is not God, your man of God is not God. And I want to be very bold in saying this, because I have seen people who have been hurting and in pain, and they have been branded rebellious, and have been branded as fake people, just because they disagreed with their bishop. And therefore, it is declared there is wrath that is declared upon them. But I want to say to you today that the blood of Jesus Christ justifies you. If you've been on the receiving end of your man of God who have spoken evil against you, and they have said things about you, and they have released wrath upon you, I have come to you with good news to tell you that you have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And the justification is that you no longer have sin in the presence of God. Your slate is clean. It has been washed. Romans chapter 5 and verse 9, it says, Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. We shall be saved from God's wrath through the blood of Jesus Christ. We shall be saved from your bishop's wrath through the blood of Jesus Christ. You shall be saved from any wrath through the blood of Jesus Christ. Please understand, without the blood of Jesus Christ, we are not protected from God's wrath, but instead we face God's wrath face to face. Without the blood of, of Jesus Christ or in the absence of the blood of Jesus Christ, we cannot stand before God for our flesh is of sin and therefore we are meant to be judged and we are meant to die. And if a preacher preaches and tells you that you are dying, or tells you that you are judged, 
or tells you that you face God's wrath, I want to encourage you today and tell you, you will face God's mercies because of the blood of Jesus Christ. But you've got to understand the blood of Jesus. You've got to apply the blood of Jesus in your life. You've got to accept the blood of Jesus in your life. And you've got to accept that you have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. That now you can stand at the presence of God and not face his wrath. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. You know, I was talking to some, some person last uh, a few weeks ago. This person was telling me a story about his church and how his church handled him when he fell into sin. And the church mishandled him so much that he almost quit. In actual fact, he had quit from ministry. And he had given up and he had said, you know what, I'm not going to serve again. And I was encouraging him and telling him, it is not right that you sinned. But then you have been justified by the blood of Jesus Christ in the presence of God. And therefore God no longer holds this sin against you. But instead he holds you with open arms and calls you home. And calls you to himself because of the blood of Jesus Christ. I have been a victim of church abuse. And it is not a funny thing. It's not fun. But if I did not know the power of the blood of Jesus Christ, if I did not understand the redemption and the power that the blood of Jesus Christ has justified me, I would have ended up like many other people have ended up when they faced church abuse. The blood of Jesus Christ sets you free. The blood of Jesus Christ puts a buffer between you and God that you no longer face the wrath of God, for we cannot face the wrath of God. Now, remember in the Old Testament, they had to sacrifice every day, every day, so that they will not face the wrath of God. And yet, though they sacrificed every day, many of them faced the wrath of God. Because at that time, the buffer was not enough. The blood of bulls and cows and lambs was not enough. The blood of goats was not enough. Even when it was done every day, it was not enough. But the blood of Jesus Christ came and put a buffer once and for all so that you and I, we no longer face the wrath of God. If you walk in self-condemnation, and you're condemning yourself for the sins that you have committed, please understand that we too are sinners and have committed sins. But by the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been set free. Please be encouraged that even though you have dirty thoughts, we too have dirty thoughts. But the blood of Jesus Christ washes us white as Snow. There is now no condemnation, no wrath against you, no wrath for you. The next thing that the blood of Jesus does is that the blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ, we have been forgiven. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. Redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace. My goodness, just imagine that scripture. According to the riches. In other words, we have redemption through his blood and we have been forgiven of our sins and not just forgiven, but this forgiveness and this redemption has come to us according to the riches of his grace, if you can measure the riches, the vastness, the wideness of his grace, then go ahead. But it is through the vastness, through the riches, through the wideness of his grace 
that I have received redemption and I have received the forgiveness of sins. In other words, the forgiveness of my sins and my redemption is immeasurable. It cannot be measured. So I love to tell a story every time about this slave trade in Africa, one of the saddest points in human history. So these slave traders go to Ghana, the Gold Coast then, and they take some slaves, they cross the Atlantic Ocean into, the, uh, into America, and then they go to the slave market, and they're selling the slaves. And then there's this one little girl, 16-year-old girl, very beautiful, and she's kept aside, waiting for a time, a good time, so that she can go for a good price. And so in the evening, which was a time for you know, to bring out the goods in terms of slaves, she's brought out and placed on a table, stripped naked, and then the owner announces her as an auction. And the owner begins and says, who will buy this slave at $10? And a few men, you know, lift their hands and say, $10. And then one guy, you know, walks, uh, rides his horse in, in the midst of the market, bad, bad man, as he was known, and walks in and rides his horse. And he says, I'm going to buy her for $20. Remember, it's an auction, and so... Every other man crumbles because they, don't, they are afraid of this guy. This guy is known. He's a town, you know, he's known as a bad man. And so they, they all back off. And when this guy is about to hit his table and say, all right, sold, then this old man comes and says, I will buy this girl for $100. And the entire marketplace you know, begins to murmur, and everyone is shocked. What do you mean, $100? Those days, $100, you could buy so many slaves, you could buy clans, you could buy people. And so, this angry man on the top of the horse says, I'm going to buy this girl for $150. And so, the, the old man, the, you know, just to clear this whole thing, says, I'm going to buy this girl for $300. Now, $300 was enough to buy an entire village of people. Sad story, sad story. So this angry man on top of a horse gets so angry and, you know, insults this old man. This old man, no one knows where he comes from, and so insults him and leaves the market. And so the girl is bought for $300. And the girl cries, and this man goes, this old man goes to where this girl was, take, takes out his coat and covers her and commands this owner, the previous owner, to unlock the chains. And so she, the, the owner unlocks the chains, and this girl goes on her knees and cries and says, Father, I will serve you in every way. And this old man says, No, my daughter, I have bought you to set you free. You are no longer a slave. You are free. And that is a redemption story, my friends. We are free. This old man came and bought this girl with his riches. He was a rich man and bought her, not to keep her for himself, but to set her free. And that is the same thing that Jesus did for us. I am forgiven in him, Ephesians 1, 7. We have redemption through his blood, number one. Two, the forgiveness of sins. According to the riches of his Grace. Now, when you talk about the redemption story, the Bible is all about redemption story. From Genesis to Revelation, it's a story of redemption. It's a story of how man, a good man who was loved by a good God, falls into sin. And from Genesis, they begin a relationship, a journey with God who still loves this man. And this man becomes rebellious against the God who loves him and the God who created him. And this man begins to swing his fist against his God, and his God, instead of destroying him with his wrath, this God who loves this man begins to find a way to redeem this man from his own folly. And from Genesis all the way to Revelation, we see a story unfolding day by day, book by book, chapter by chapter, 
about a God who is crying for redemption and a God who is crying to redeem his child back to himself. And we see a man who is turned away from God, turning back to God and embracing this God. Redemption, redemption, redemption is only by the blood of Jesus Christ. The riches of his, of his grace cannot be measured. The riches of his grace cannot be counted. The riches of his grace cannot be compared. The riches of his grace cannot be used by any man. They cannot be understood. They are far beyond our mind. They are bigger than the wilderness, uh, sorry, than the universe. They are bigger than the world we live in. They are so big and so huge. Yet those are the riches of his grace. And of those riches, he has given us redemption. And he has given us forgiveness of sins. He actually says that as far as the heavens are apart, so have I cast away your sins. But here we have people still telling us to bring sacrifices for our sins. We still have pastors telling us to bring offerings for the forgiveness of our sins. We still have pastors telling us to bring money for our sins to be forgiven. And I'm here to say to you, remember the blood of Jesus Christ and what it has done for you. It has set you free. This blood makes you alive spiritually. John 6 and verse 53 says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the Son of Man, you have no Life. In other words, you are dead unless you enjoin yourself to who Jesus is, to the life of Jesus, you have no life. That is what the scripture is saying. And that is why I said we are not, we are not to believe in ourselves. We are to believe in Jesus. And Jesus will give us the strength that we need to keep walking in this life. We are to enjoin ourselves to him, to enjoin ourselves to his flesh and to his blood, that there may be life in our lives. If you feel lifeless, remember the blood. If you feel like dying, remember the blood. If you feel like giving up in life, remember the blood. If you are stuck in poverty, remember the blood. If you're stuck in sickness, remember the blood. If you're stuck in drugs, remember the blood. If you're stuck in a bad marriage, remember the blood. And use the blood as your warfare, for, of your, as, a, as a weapon of, war, of warfare. For in the blood, there is life. In the blood of Jesus Christ, there is resurrection. In the blood of Jesus Christ, there are riches. In the blood of Jesus Christ, there are forgiveness of sin. In the blood of Jesus Christ, you are free and you are alive. Remember the blood. And the last thing that I want to say to you is a reminder that Jesus Christ has made the sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice. Hebrews 10 verse 11 to 14. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. This is the writer of Hebrew talking about the Old Testament. Day after day, the priest stood, performed his duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. Again and again, he offers goats and bulls, which are not enough. 
But when this priest, talking about Jesus, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Because of the sacrifice that Jesus gave, he now sits at the right hand of God. And we are seated with Christ in high places. The blood, the blood of Jesus Christ will take you to high places. Applying the blood in your life will take you to places you've never been. Applying the blood of Jesus in your life, praying the blood of Jesus Christ over your life every day will protect you from the weapons of darkness, will keep you safe. And I'm saying that from my own experiences, from where I grew up, grew up around witches and doctors, witch doctors and wizards all around our home, trying to attack us. But I learned at a very young age about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And then every morning I would wake up and I would pray for the blood of Jesus upon my life and I would pray for the blood of Jesus Christ upon me and for the protection of the blood of Jesus. The Bible says that the blood speaks better things. And I cried to heaven and I pray that this blood may speak better things for me. It may speak better things in my finances. It may speak better things in my life. It may speak better things upon my health. It may speak better things upon my future and upon my lineage and upon everything that I am meant to do. Brothers and sisters, remember the blood. This is a prophetic action. It is a prophetic call to the nation of Kenya. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ and return to the blood. Return to the blood of Jesus. Return to the cross of Jesus Christ. Return to the ancient paths where you have moved away from, where you missed the Lord your God and you missed the hour of your visitation. Return to the blood of Jesus Christ and you will have victory in everything. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let me pray for you today. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the power of the blood. We thank you, God, for you have given us this blood of Jesus to redeem us, to forgive us, to justify us, to sanctify us, to win our battles. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood that speaks better things than the blood of Abel. We thank you, God, because the blood of Abel cries for vengeance, but the blood of Jesus cries for mercy. And we thank you, Jesus, because of your mercy and because of this blood. I bless everyone who is watching this, and I pray that the blood of Jesus Christ will begin to work in their lives and in their homes. In Jesus' name I pray and believe. Amen. What a way to end that series. Thank you so much, Pastor George, for that powerful word. Remember the blood in your life, in your family, in your finances, in your education, in your job, in everything that pertains to your life. Remember the blood of Jesus. It is so powerful. It is so powerful. So I pray that you will be able to apply that blood and appropriate it in your life. So before I begin preaching another sermon, <laughs> let me share with you our giving channels, which is for our offering. You can give to 216376, 216376. And for the development, you can give to 321354, 321354. Thank you so much for watching. Have a fantastic week.
everyone today is a beautiful day and i am glad you could join us once again and tune in to victory hour so even today as we continue this series i pray that you would get a new understanding of the blood of jesus be blessed hello everyone praise the lord this is george i am so excited uh, to be with you again i pray that you've been well and that your family has been well it is my prayer that even in this time of this uh, pandemic and this, uh, you know, the challenges that we are facing as a world, that God has been gracious to you and that you are, you know, getting blessed and blessed. I have actually heard of a lot of testimonies from people uh, in this time, you know, and it's funny sometimes when God decides to do great, great miracles in the lives of people, even when there is a lot of difficulties around them. So I've learned in my life to always turn uh, to Jesus whenever I'm faced with difficult moments and difficult times. And that is one thing that I would like to encourage you, to turn to Jesus at all times and in every moment, whether good or bad, remember to turn to Christ because Christ is the one who sorts all our problems and answers all our prayers. And so it is important to take our prayers before the Lord so that he can answer us and he can give us direction. What a friend we have in Jesus. You know, that is one of my most, uh, one of the favorite hymns that I, I love and I know that you also love it. And so today I want to talk to you about a someone that I've titled, Remember the Blood. Now I know uh, that our Reverend Joshua has gone through a, a huge series that was very, very powerful. And if you have not, uh, you know, listened or watched to this series, I would like you and I will encourage you to go uh, to our Facebook, uh, to our YouTube page and listen to uh, this wonderful teaching. Watch the videos. It's a long series titled Not Without Blood. And I would like to encourage you to do this because one of the problems that we are facing in the church of today, both in my nation and I believe in many of your nations, where, wherever you're watching us from, is that we have come to a time in our generation, at this time, in this hour, where the gospel of Jesus Christ has been reduced to a bless you gospel. I have nothing about the bless you gospel. I have nothing about name it and claim it. I do that stuff, uh, you know, most of the times in my life. But I also have a strong stand that we must not abandon our core teachings, our biblical basics teaching. And some of these biblical basic teachings are teachings to do with the blood of Jesus Christ, the power of the cross, the redemption story, you know, justification and sanctification. These are the, some of the teachings, or some of the preachings that shape who we become. But the sad thing is that in today's church, modern day church, we are full of God will bless you and God will bless you. We are full of the bless you summons. You will drive the latest car, they say. You will live in the richest neighborhood, they say. There is nothing wrong with that. Again, I repeat, there is nothing wrong with any believer any Christian driving the latest car. There is nothing wrong with any believer living in the richest neighborhood around. It is a privilege, it is a blessing from the Almighty God. But what use is it to drive such a wonderful car and not know the roots of the blood of Jesus Christ? Not know why you are born again. Why live in a wonderful wonderful neighborhood and not know why you are born again and lack the basics of Christianity. And so my desire and my prayer is that the church will come to a point where we will remember the blood of Jesus Christ in our sermons, in our songs, in our books, in our living, because this is one of the sermons that we have forgotten this is one of the most important aspects of Christianity, but we have forgotten it. 
Therefore, I come to you to say, remember the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember the blood before you take your child to hospital. Remember the blood. And again, there is nothing wrong with going to hospitals. I know that there are some cults or some teachings that have grown out of this doctrine. And it's a wrong doctrine where when someone gets sick, they don't want to go to hospital. It is a wrong doctrine. But all I'm saying is that remember that the blood of Jesus Christ gives us healing. Remember that the blood of Jesus Christ gives us strength. Remember that the blood of Jesus Christ gives us the power that we need. And so this is a reminder to the church in my nation of Kenya and across the world. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ. So there are several problems or several challenges that we are facing as a church. And as I began by saying, the modern day church, we are so full of ourselves that we want to listen to sermons that only cajole us or only speak good things to us. If you look across the world, many churches and many preachers have turned from being preachers and they are becoming motivational speakers. Now, it is okay to be a motivational speaker. But what is motivation if it lacks the basics of the scriptures? What is motivation if it lacks the life-giving breath of the word of God? What is motivation if it lacks the solid foundation on which Christ came on this earth, the cross of Jesus Christ? So every Sunday after Sunday, preachers and members have gone to churches and they have been motivated, which is okay, once in a while. They have been motivated. And by Monday morning, the motivation is gone because there is nothing to carry on that motivation. There is the absence of scripture. There is the absence of the word of God. And there is the absence of Jesus. Across the world right now, we are hearing preachers tell us, believe in yourself and you can make it. Now we have changed the gospel from believing in yourself, uh, from believing in Jesus Christ to believing in yourself. And I want to remind Christians that no matter how much you believe in yourself, if you don't believe in God and if you don't believe in Jesus, what you do will only be temporal. And when your work is tested by fire, which it shall be on that day when I call it the day of reckoning, the day of judgment, your fire, your work shall be found wanting because of the teachings of believing in yourself without believing in Jesus Christ. Our first admonition to the church as preachers and as men of God is not to ask people to believe in themselves. It is to ask people to believe in the one Savior who has set us free, the one Savior who has died for us, the one who shed his blood for us, Jesus Christ. Now, one of the challenges that we are facing today is that, in my thinking, that there are many, many preachers who are not taking this call seriously. We have no reverence of the call. We have no reverence of this pulpit, of the call under which we have been called. It is a great calling. It is a great privilege to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we cannot tear it into pieces by uh, you know, putting aside the blood of Jesus Christ, putting aside the power of the cross, putting aside the work of sanctification, putting aside the work of the Holy Spirit. We cannot do that. We've got to bring the gospel as a whole. It's been as much as we preach about faith, as much as we preach about name it and claim it, the health, wealth, gospel, that is okay. Then let us balance it with the blood of Jesus Christ, with justification, with sanctification. I was reading somewhere, and this book, uh, this author was saying that we have a church that is so fat and out of breath because of our feel-good sermons. Uh, it was actually Leonard Ravenhill. And I'm here to say, remember the blood 
of Jesus Christ. Remember the blood in your sermons. Remember the blood in your relationships. Remember the blood in your home and in your family. Now, one of the major problems that we are facing today as a church is the misteachings of the blood of Jesus Christ. There was a time that I used to be in a certain church and I used to attend this church. And one time, a, a person came, a preacher from, I won't say where, but he came and was invited and began preaching, very powerful. He was like a preaching machine. And he preached a powerful, powerful teaching. But at the end of it all, he said that everything must be dealt with by blood. And I agreed. And he was talking about generational curses. And he was talking about people being cursed. And he was talking about principalities and powers of darkness in families, in homes, in nations, and everywhere else. And it was a very powerful, powerful sermon. But then he said that the only way to deal with these things is by blood. And I agreed with him. It was his method of applying this blood that I did not agree. For he said that now we've got to bring sacrifices in terms of money, in terms of offerings to the altar of that church. And as you bring these offerings, he said, we must begin to say blood for blood. And I saw hundreds of people go forward and say blood for blood. And in my mind, I was thinking, if I am cursed generationally, if I am going through stuff in my family, if there are powers and principalities you know, around me or in my nation, they are defeated by the blood of Jesus Christ that he shed upon the cross. They are not defeated by how much money I give as a sacrifice because Jesus Christ already gave the ultimate sacrifice. Hebrews 10, 14. He has given one sacrifice, one offering for all, for all people, for all sins, for all curses. And this is the misteachings that we are, uh, you are facing in churches today where members of the church do not understand the importance of how or how paramount the blood of Jesus Christ is. And I want to remind you, brothers and sisters, that the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any amount of money you'll ever give. And I want to say that the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any amount of sacrifice you will ever give. And I want to say that the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any church attendance you will ever have. That the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than any bishop you'll ever meet. In actual fact, let me say that the blood of Jesus Christ rises beyond and above any pulpit or any altar in our day. That the blood of Jesus Christ is the only blood that is acceptable to God. It is the only sacrifice that is acceptable to God to defeat the enemy and to set you free. You can give all the money you want in the name of sacrifices, but none of this amount of money you give will secure heaven for you. The blood of Jesus Christ has already done that for you. It has secured heaven for you. It has secured your forgiveness. It has secured your sanctification. It has secured your justification. It has secured your right standing with God. No amount of money can do this. No amount of church service. Because this is a doctrine. That the more you serve in church, the more you will access heaven. It is a lie. You will serve in church and yes, God will bless you for serving in church. But the blood of Jesus Christ is beyond serving in church. The blood of Jesus Christ is beyond anything you can ever imagine. In actual fact, I don't know whether your bishop is the greatest bishop in the nation or your prophet is the greatest prophet in the nation. But I have to say this to you, that the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than your man of God. And even your man of God is in need of the blood of Jesus Christ. None of us, including myself, have been saved by more liters of the blood of Jesus Christ. We were all born again and we all bow at the cross and we are all seekers of life, seekers of everlasting life. No matter how many miracles I preach, no matter how powerful I preach, 
I want to say to the church, remember the blood of Jesus Christ. There is nothing more powerful than the blood of Jesus Christ, no matter how many hymns we sing. We are misteaching people. Another story I heard was about this woman who was going through a lot of struggles in her home and a lot of pain. And so she goes to this man of God and, and you know, she shares her story, tells this man of God what's happening in her life. And this man of God, prophetically, in quotes, decides, oh, this woman is bewitched. And so she tells this woman, go, bring a goat, a white goat to church, and I'm going to pray with you. And so this woman goes and brings a white goat because she believes this man of God, but I also blame her for she did not read the scriptures. And so this woman comes and, and you know, they bring the goat to the church and they go to the church, to the altar of the church, to the pulpit. I call it pulpit and I call it stage because we have one great altar at Calvary, the altar that nullified every other altar. And so Jesus, uh, this woman comes to this altar and the, and the pastor slaughters the, the goat and then they split the goat into two. And this pastor tells the woman to jump uh, several times. She had come with her family, with her family members. And so they are told to jump over this uh, dead goat several times, as they say, and they chanted some words. And so they did that, believing that this was powerful, believing that the answers will come for their home and for their family, believing that they will be set free from the tragedies that had befallen their homes, believing that this man of God knew what he was doing. They were believing that this goat, this blood of goat, will set them free. And the sad thing is that to this day, that family is still in bondage. Why? Because they were mistaught about the paramount importance of the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to say to you, friends, we no longer need sacrifices. We no longer need goats. We no longer need bulls because Jesus Christ died at the cross and made the ultimate sacrifice, which means no pastor has the right to ask you to bring any form of amount or any form of sacrifice. Doing that is saying that the blood of Jesus Christ is not enough. And the truth is, this misteaching or false doctrine has taken root in the lives of so many people, so many churches, that now we are taking sacrifices and offerings and even offering ourselves, not knowing that there is one who has already offered himself up for ourselves, for us, so that we can be free from such things. Traditions, religion has bound people to believe that there are people who are more powerful and who are more important in the church. Yet, when we talk about the blood of Jesus Christ, the blood of Jesus Christ equalizes all of us. That is not to say that we should not respect the men of God. That is not to say that we should not honor them for indeed there is their part to be honored and there is their part to be respected and there is their part to be acclaimed as men of God. There is that part. But all I'm saying is that sometimes, especially in Africa, we have taken this doctrine too far. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ. The work of the blood is so powerful that if you read the scriptures, you begin to understand how powerful this blood is. I remember one time reading the scriptures, and I know that you have also read these scriptures, and this scripture that I read talked about Jesus Christ on the cross, and he was dying on the cross, and the moment his blood spilled upon the cross, it is say the curtain that used to separate the glory of God from the people in the temple was torn by half from top to bottom, so that no man will say that a man has torn the curtain. It was torn from top to bottom so that you and I, my brothers and sisters, can have direct access to God. In other words, you don't need me as a prophet to go to God, to speak to God, to pray to God, 
to be in relationship with God. You do not need me as a priest to be your mediator. Jesus Christ already mediated. I also read somewhere else in the same scripture about Jesus Christ on the cross shedding his blood for us, shedding his blood on that ultimate sacrifice, on that ultimate altar. And there was this soldier who pierced him by the side and the Bible says that blood and water flowed from him and it flowed like a fountain. And when he touched this soldier, he said, surely this must have been the son of God. How powerful this blood is. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ. Then we have the other problem of syncretism. And this is how defined syncretism. Syncretism is where we have the mixture of the gospel of Jesus Christ with traditional beliefs. This is where, for example, the story I gave you earlier, or the story I told you earlier about this pastor who was so, you know, who called this woman, called call this woman and said, oh, bring a goat and I'm going to pray with you. Bring a white goat. There's no difference between that pastor and a witch doctor who asks for the same thing. So there was this time I attended a certain church somewhere. I think it was a convention. And I sat at the back and I was watching and listening and getting blessed. But then there was this man of God who was preaching. And he was preaching powerfully. And the anointing of God was upon him. And then he calls forth some people. And he says, oh, if you have, you know, he calls a certain amount of money. And he says, if you have $250, uh, Kenyan shillings is approximately 250,000 shillings. Come forward. I'm going to bless you. And so a few guys went forward. And so this pastor asked for a basin. And the basin was brought and he asked for anointing oil. And the anointing oil was poured on the basin. So he told these people, you've got to dip your feet into this basin and I'm going to bless you. But then, even as you dip your feet on this basin, you will have to tell me your problems and your trouble. Now, the scene that I observed, or the scene that I saw, was like a witch doctor scene, where this person comes, dips their leg on this uh, oil, basin of oil, and then begins to narrate uh, stories or their problems to this man, uh, this man of God. And so this guy, this man of God, was, sat, was sitting on a three three-legged stool, an African three-legged stool on one side and this other person was sitting on the other side and, the, and this other person, their legs were in, in, in this oil, in the basin. And so they were narrating their problems. And then this man would say, I bless you, I bless you, I bless you. But remember, this blessing was solely based on the amount of money that this person was willing to give. Now, this is a challenge that we are facing. We have replaced the blood of Jesus Christ with money, with gifts, such that we are no longer afraid of sin and we are no longer afraid of doing stuff because we know as long as I give my man of God some money, my sins are wiped, uh, wiped clean. What we do not know and what we forget is that our sins are only washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who can wash us white as snow. The blood of Jesus is the only one that can forgive us fully and completely. The blood of Jesus Christ is the only one that can cleanse us fully. And so we have to begin to understand these things. For if we do not understand these things, then we are being misled and we will be misled for generations. The coming generation, the younger people today, have no understanding of the blood of Jesus Christ. If they are there who understand about the blood of Jesus Christ, there are very few of them. So many of them do not understand the blood of Jesus. They don't even know what the blood of Jesus is all about. They don't even understand what it is doing in their lives. And so what I want to say to you today is that we've got to begin to change this narrative that is being created across the world and even across Africa where we have syncretism. We are bringing in our traditions and then we are mixing them up with uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and we say, voila, this is the blood. 
For example, the story I told you earlier about this pastor who asked this woman to bring a goat. They were told that this goat and the blood is a representative of the blood of Jesus Christ. And it is a wrong doctrine. The blood of Jesus Christ in today's generation cannot be compared to anything or anyone because we no longer approach the throne of God by the blood of bulls or goats. The blood of Jesus Christ is already shed. And there is a fountain flowing for all of us to believe in, for all of us to trust in, for all of us to work towards. Our sins are forgiven, but they are only forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. Let me read some scriptures so that you don't say, oh, this guy just spoke, never read some scriptures. And I want to say to you, you owe no man any debt. You do not owe your pastor any debt. And pastor, you do not owe your congregation any debt. Because the debt you had has been paid. You do not owe the devil any debt. Because your debt has been paid. And it was paid once and for all. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 28. Let me read it so that we, we can understand it. The Bible says, So Christ was offered once. He was offered once. In other words, his sacrifice did not need to be repeated. You see, in the Old Testament, there was always a sacrifice every day that was burning at the burnt offering uh, altars. And the Israelites had to keep burning and burning and burning on a daily basis. They had to keep sacrificing every day. And the sad thing is that this is what the church of Jesus Christ at this time is being subjected to. Sacrifices and sacrifices and sacrifices. And every Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, you are told about and asked for sacrifices. You are told to sacrifice for your child's education. You are told to give a sacrifice for your marriage. You are told to give a sacrifice for your husband's success. You are told to give a sacrifice for your wife's success. You are told to give a sacrifice for whatever it is. You are told to give a sacrifice so that you can give birth to a child. And I have come to say to you today that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was made once. It was made for your marriage. It was made for your child. It was made so that you can succeed. It was made for your husband. It was made for your wife once. It was made for your child. It was made so that you can give birth once. It was made once and was acceptable in the presence of the Almighty God. So Christ was offered once. In other words, his one sacrifice satisfied God and defeated the devil once and for all. The previous sacrifices had to be made every day on a daily basis because the devil would come and claim and accuse the world every day. Therefore, there had to be a sacrifice every day. But the sacrifice of Jesus Christ was made once and for all. And it was enough. Give to the church because you're blessed. Give your finances to the church because you have the finances to give to the church. Bless your pastor because you want to bless him. Not because you're paying a debt. Not because you're making a sacrifice. Because the sacrifice of Jesus is enough to set you free. We cannot take people back to the things of old. We cannot take them back to the old things when we have the new. Hebrews 9.28 So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. His sacrifice came and he bore the sins of many. In other words, he bore the sins of everyone in the world if you believe in him. Now this salvation is not an automatic thing. But salvation is acquired by the blood of Jesus Christ. Which means you have nothing to do 
with your salvation. You are born again. But you have nothing to do with it. The only thing you do is believe that Jesus died for you and that his blood was shed for your sins and that you are no longer under, under a curse and that you are no longer under a generational curse. Once you believe that, then you are born again. It is not about works. It is not about do's and don'ts. Salvation is about what Christ has already done, died for you. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many. And the Bible says, we continue Hebrews 9.28, to those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time without sin. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin, without sin, but he will appear for salvation. Understand, the first time Christ appeared, he appeared for sin. In other words, he came to this earth, lived among men for 30 years because of sin. And then he went to the cross and died for our sins. And on the third day, the Bible says that he rose again, resurrected on the third day, conquered death. In other words, he went, in his death, he went to the lowest of the lows in this world. He went to hell. And then on resurrection, he rose to the highest heavens and conquered both the heavens and, the, and, the, and hell for the redemption of mankind. Those who eagerly await for him, for us who believe, for you who believe, you who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, you whom have been sent to remind you about the blood of Jesus Christ, you who claims to be born again, you who is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are eagerly waiting for him, Christ is coming back again and is coming this time not for sin, but is coming for salvation. He's coming to set us free. He's coming to make us free from this world and make us enter into eternity. In other words, what I'm saying to you is that your debt is paid once and for all. I want to say that again. Your debt is paid once and for all. Your debt is paid. You owe no man. You owe no devil anything. If the devil comes to you and says, oh, you owe this, for, for, you owe me this, tell him the blood of Jesus Christ has already paid it. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid the price for your sickness. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid the price for your poverty. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid the price for your failures. In other words, the blood of Jesus Christ has paid for your sickness. Therefore, sickness is not your portion. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid for your poverty. Therefore, poverty is not your portion. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid for your pain. Therefore, pain is not your portion. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid for your torment. Therefore, torment is not your portion. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid for your sins. Therefore, sins are not your portion. Your debt is paid. This, my friends, is the good news of Jesus Christ. This is a gospel that sets people free. If your preacher is not saying these things, then you may want to consider how free you are from, the, from, this, from his clutches or the clutches of the enemy because the blood of Jesus Christ has paid your debt once. Now, let me uh, give you a conclusion to the matter because I want to come again and share another part of this scripture, of this teaching. Remember the blood. Remember the blood. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, for that is always what we must look back to, the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection of Jesus on the third day. Now, if there is one major controversial story in Christianity, it is the death 
and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross. If there is one area that Christianity is attacked by all, uh, you know, all, almost all religions, atheists, pantheists, Gnostics, is, is that point where we say that Jesus died for the sins of the world. And then we, we keep on saying Jesus resurrected on the third day, conquering death. That is one of the most attacked areas because that area of our story as Christians has to do with the blood of Jesus Christ that redeems us from the powers of darkness. Therefore, the enemy must attack that place. The enemy must attack that area of our story. Now, I work a lot with young people. And one of the things that I've noticed is that we have so many young people who are very skeptical about our salvation, who are very skeptical about our doctrines, who are very skeptical about what we believe in. And these are some of the things that we must learn to teach them, to, to share with them, that the blood of Jesus Christ is more powerful than anything else. It's more powerful than drugs. It's more powerful than entanglements and, and struggles that people go through. Remember the blood. Remember the blood. Remember the blood. In the name of Jesus Christ, remember the blood. Amen. Thank you, Pastor George, for that wonderful word. I was truly, truly blessed. The blood of Jesus, it is greater than any sacrifice, than any altar. Just think about that. It is so powerful. And I pray that even as you have heard these words, may they be made manifest in your life. And before I conclude, I'd like to share with you how you can give. For our tithes and offerings, you can give to 216376. 216376. And for development, you can give to 321354. 321354. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a blessed week ahead.